All right, the dawn of hope, not fear. This is part two. Uh, last week we we began looking at uh, how fear has become a narrative that we tend to listen to, and I'm not buying it anymore. So I wanna I wanna start our time this morning with a, a devotional from Henry Nouwen, which I think is really good. Your heart is the center of your being, is what this is called. In the biblical understanding, our heart is at the center of our being. It's not a muscle, but a symbol for the very center of our being. Now, the beautiful thing about the heart is that the heart is the place where we are most ourselves. It is the very core of our being, the spiritual center of our being. Solitude and silence, for instance, are ways to get to the heart because the heart is the place where God speaks to us, where we hear the voice that calls us beloved. This is precisely the most intimate place. In the famous story, Elijah was standing in front of a cave. God was not in the storm. God was not in the fire, not in the earthquake, but God was in that soft little voice, that soft little voice that speaks to the heart. Prayer and solitude are ways to listen to the voice that speaks to our heart in the center of our being. One of the most amazing things is that if you enter deeper and deeper into that place, you'll not only meet God, but you'll meet the whole world there. <laughs> wow. I, I have a hunch that the teaching on the heart is not exhausted. We have so much more to learn. In fact, um, hey, good morning, Rainy. Good to see you there, buddy. Um, the heart is a something not taught enough about in the church world. And if it is, it's Usually you're told you've got a wicked heart. <laughs> it's like, no, we don't. We've been given a brand new heart. So this concept of the heart, um, if you grew up in a tradition that says your heart is deceitfully evil, um, that was a complete lie. Oh, but it's in the Bible. It makes it biblical. It doesn't make it biblical. It makes it, it was written down by somebody uh, from a lens that misunderstood how God created us. And it didn't even speak to the new covenant of what we have been created to be in Christ. The, the heart is a, is a beautiful thing. I, I hope we can dig more into that as time goes on. But I love how Henry Nouwen wrote that. And uh, I just wanted to share that with you. So let's let's get into this concept of the gospel of fear is from the outside in. The gospel of grace is from the inside out, and the kingdom is in you. I love that quote. It triggered a lot this morning. It triggered a lot uh, in preparing for this for this message, because <laughs> fear should not have a place in our uh, regular thinking and should definitely not be seated in our heart in any kind of way. It's, it's not there. Hey, Felix, good morning. <laughs> I'm going to say hi to Felix for sure. Good to see you there, buddy. So fear as an illusion. Here's another small um, post that was posted yesterday. I think Francois Dutoy uh, posted this from a friend of mine, another one. You'll, you'll see who it is in just a moment, but this was great. And uh, this created a rabbit trail to something else I'm going to talk about in just a second, but this fits. Fear as an illusion. The prodigal stayed away from his father's house and endured pig pen poverty because he feared his actions had changed his identity from son to slave. Only 
to return and find his fears had no basis in reality. Fear keeps us in a slave mentality and robs us of our very selves, enjoying the Father's house. The prodigal was always a son. You are always a son or daughter of God. Enjoy his house. Believe. What about repentance? Only love that cannot be changed by our behavior has the power to change our behavior. <laughs> Agreeing with God's unchangeable love for you is the most powerful form of repentance or metanoia, renewed mind, and empowers us to live free of all pig pens as the sons and daughters that we always were. This is by Rodim Williams. Uh, he's a friend of John Crowder, and if you follow any of those guys, uh, he he's a very charismatic, really deep guy. Um, but can you like take a look at this? Fear. It, it, it the prodigal believed a lie and led him to some awful stuff. Well, today it's time to step out of that. Step out of that pig pen. Um, I didn't have this in my powerpoints, but I want to. Uh, refer to an article you can look this up later uh, it's called why the father didn't seek the prodigal by brad jerzak and then brackets because he did and i thought oh oh this is good so um, if you if you want this article i can copy and paste it to you later uh, just message me and I'll, I'll share it with you but this is so cool because the way he writes this brad jerzak writes how come the parables of the lost sheep the the shepherd goes out and goes and he like goes after that sheep so the shepherd is leaving and going to or the lost coin the the lady is searching for the coin why isn't the father searching going after the son in the other place and i thought oh man that's good good question and i had a i had an idea of what it could be but brad definitely talks about um uh, there, there's a couple ways you can kind of allude to the father going, going after the son. Um, he, when, when the son came back, he, uh, he was actually waiting for him, looking for him. So, and then the, when he saw him and from a great distance, then he took off after son. So there's a sense of chasing after, but th that wasn't quite it. There's more. The part that we may forget and probably the most profound part of this story. And I, I love how he wrote it. So if you can read the article, please do. Um, but he said, um, when did the father go after? Here we go. I'm just going to read it for you because um, this is an ingenious twist in which Christ takes the third parable up a notch and turns the tables on his opponents, as he so often does. The father does leave the house to seek and save the lost. But when, here it is, verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. I love that part of the story. Oh my goodness. The idea of, of the father going out to the son. And then the, the son says to the father, this son of yours. Like we keep thinking the prodigal son was the bad one. That's what we were told in Sunday school. There's even a comic book. I forget what it was. Is like 
uh, it wasn't chick publications, but one of those Christian comics. And it was the story of the prodigal son and he, the, the pictures, the, the big boat, the planes and the, and friends all around him. And, and he's squandering dad's money. And then he ends up in a pig pen and, and, oh, what a bad son. You know, he did such a bad thing. And then he has to come back to the father. And that part of the story is, is fine. It, it should never be called the prodigal son. It, it just shouldn't. It should be called the loving father because that is what the whole story is about anyway. So Brad Jerzak here digs into this. And I've, I've talked about this too. And I thought it was really cool. It's like, yay, it's nice to see it written more often because it's this part, this twist in the story is not talked about enough. But the father leaves the party, goes out to the son and has words with him, invites him to come in. And then the story ends. Oh, by the way, when the son complained, hey, how come this son of yours gets this fattened calf and, and the big barbecue and I've worked for you all these years and I get, I, you not once have, have I had a party. Let's pause there for a minute. Do you hear a bit of a kid whining in that? <laughs> Do you hear a bit of navel gazing me, me, me uh, in, in that complaint? Do you hear a society that feels entitled in that? Oh, I want my rights. I, how come they get that? And, and all the jealousy that comes out. I think in that one instance, here's a kid that served dutifully his whole life in the story. Okay. It's a parable, but he served. It's like church people. You've, you've, we've, and I'm a church person. I'm, I'm, I'm part of that tribe. I, I get it. That's why I can call them church people. Cause I is one. <laughs> I am one. And I recognize churchianity in the system but that prodigal son was partying while the older son was sitting in judgment moaning and groaning and complaining of everything he didn't have never recognizing what he did have because the father says this to him oh my son don't you know all i have is yours don't you know that do you know what that line could mean my interpretation of that line is don't you know who you are? Don't you know your identity? This is all yours. It's been yours the whole time. What do you mean? Are you trying to do these behaviors to earn access to all that's already yours? We've done that in the church world. We have set up people to serve and think, you know, because Jesus came to serve and he did. That's not really the full story. He came to reveal the father and fix the messed up perception of who his daddy was. He does a brilliant job in this parable because the judgmental ones, which is that the other son who stayed home, and was a grumpy, dutiful person. Oh boy. Sometimes the most religious people are the most grumpy and entitled negative attitudes I've ever seen. I, I can't stand. I can hardly stand it anymore. And yet, our Heavenly Father gently nudges and said, Hey, I love them too. You could have been like that, but I didn't direct you that way. Or you were teachable enough to not get sucked into that. I had the same potential. And so did you. It all depends on your upbringing. So I don't want to be like that judgmental son judging everyone else who seems to be so free. Oh, for grumpy people to watch others have a party. <laughs> it's just, it's awful. It's almost torture. It's hell. <laughs>
Imagine that. So here's how the story ends. The father is left outside of the party with that son. Just, just think of that image for a moment. Just ponder. That's how the story ends. The father's with the lost son in the outer darkness. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about who the real um, prodigal son is? I have a hunch it's the older stuck-up one who thought he was so much better than the other one. I tell you, if we don't humble ourselves, <laughs> we're in trouble. And then fear sets in. I want to take you through some reminders about fear because we're not called to live from a place of fear. We're called to live from a place of peace. And I think these next scriptures are going to blow your mind. You've heard them before, but... Even Old Covenant. So what? We've got, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or in dread of them. For the Lord your God is the one who is going with you. He will not desert you or abandon you. The good news is, God does not deal with abandonment. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And I know in this pandemic time, there's, there's a, a sense of abandonment in a way because we've, we're uh, kind of kicked out of the norm that we're used to. And so there's, there's almost an estrangement to the patterns, the freedom of language. Have you noticed in the past two years how we speak to one another has changed? The things we thought we couldn't say to one another, or sorry, the things we thought we could, we really can't because we don't know where everyone's at and everybody is so hypersensitive. Seriously, like it's, it's bad. But what are the ingredients that causes us to become that hypersensitive? Well, fear is one of the biggies. I'm sorry, it just is. Fear, navel-gazing, me, 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 my problems, my world. Well, uh, guess what? There are people that are going through much, much worse. I, I, I beg to say that most of us here in Canada, we're dealing with first world problems. We really are. So maybe if we take our eyes off of all that we don't have, just like that other son, the older son, he was looking at what he didn't get. He saw his brother have a party. I didn't get that. And yet he had everything else. Maybe let's, let's, Turn this around. Maybe look at what you do have. And oh my goodness, be thankful. Do you have a warm place to live? Do you have some food? Do you have a job? Some might say no to them. Begin looking further. Find those things that do bring encouragement. Because we're not called to live from a place of fear. And it fear that kind of thinking will cause us to become very negative. And I'm, I'm praying for Hope Fellowship. I'm praying for all of us. Even there are many of us who do not agree on much of this pandemic stuff. And that's fine. But when our disagreements are focused on fear and negativity, that's where I'm having a problem. It's like, guys, smarten up. This is not who you are. What I miss is those that have been walking in grace, walking in their identity, who now seem to be blinded by all the storm around them. Remember last week we talked about Peter walking on the water and he lost sight and he took his eyes off of 
uh, of of the one who gave him faith, and now he's he took his eyes off for just a moment, began to sink, and Jesus was right there, and became his faith. I'm begging you, do that again. If you're in despair or discouraged, take your eyes off of the stuff around you that's causing you negativity in your mind. I'm not talking about being a joy boy and only thinking happy thoughts. La, 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 la. We only think happy thoughts. Only, only, only. That, that, you sound like a cuckoo when you do that to everyone else. You can do it privately, fine. But how we talk to one another, there has to be authenticity that's believable. And when your happy talk is not believable, you sound weird. But if your if your positive expressions are mature and meaningful, they'll speak to you and to others. So let's guard our hearts and minds in this. I'm speaking to myself here too, because I've had ups and downs. I've had pendulum swings of, uh, of my opinions, and I get, this week I got I got humbled pretty good, going and visiting some seniors who. One, one lady said as, as I went in to visit her, all I wanted was someone to smile as they walked past. They don't even have to say hi, just smile at me. Well, they all have masks on in the long-term care home. But the, the loneliness factor is huge. And we're complaining about what? The certain store has a, a limited capacity? Oh, boy. Sorry. I don't have much mercy and patience for for that kind of complaining anymore and yet i'm caught in it too once in a while so i gotta be humble about this as well joshua 1 9 says this is my command be strong and courageous do not be afraid here's the other one we don't read this line very well or discouraged okay for the lord your god is with you wherever you go courage discourage Okay, there's two things here. This is my command. Be strong, as in be who you already are. It doesn't mean, okay, now find a way to become strong. That's not what this is saying. This is reminding you, you are already strong. The full might and power of God dwells in you. You lack nothing, no thing. So be strong and courageous. Don't live from a place of fear. No matter what you're facing. Even if it's a scary future that you're, you're, you're thinking about. Well, I forget. I think it was Paul Young. William Paul Young said, you know, we can future trip, but God's not there. God's not in our future tripping. He, he doesn't exist in the fantasy thinking world that we create. He's in the here and right now. That's hard sometimes. Now, again... Please don't take, when I say don't worry, um, that you shouldn't be concerned about stuff. Uh, there's a pattern of, of worry that people have. That pattern, which influences your attitude and causes a lot of, I'd say, um, Eeyore thinking. You only see the negative. You only focus on, oh, this is bad. That is not healthy. We're, we're told to guard our thoughts. So we got to be cautious of that 
Uh, Isaiah 41 says, Do not yield to fear, for I am always near. Never turn your gaze from me, for I am your faithful God. I will infuse you with my strength and help you in every situation. I will hold you firmly with my victorious right hand. Huh. I like that. When I come to an intersection and uh, a car at a four-way stop and a car arrives before me, I yield the way to the car that's in front of me. I'm not to, supposed to yield to fear, for I am always near, God says. So there, there, there isn't this separation mindset. Sometimes we think God's far away. He's never far away. I love this from Psalm 23. It's definitely a different translation, but it's beautiful. Even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness. Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. Uh, or down below you can see, or your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. This is a beautiful translation. It, it's calling us to, to look to the strength already in us. When we recognize and even look back at the comfort of God, oh my goodness, do, do you realize hindsight's a gift sometimes? Some people say, well, we're not supposed to look back um, and live in the past. No, you're not supposed to live in the past. But we are called to look back and remember the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. Look back. Has he brought you through some serious stuff? Has God already rescued you? Has he been good to you ever before? Um, have you ever had fearful times where you're, oh no, what's our future going to hold? But it never turned out the way you thought it would or not as bad? Look, we, our faith is not in scary future circumstances. Our faith is in the one who lives in us right now. Uh, don't forget that. Psalm 27, 1-4 from the Passion Translation is beautiful. Yahweh is my revelation light and the source of my salvation. I fear no one. I'll never turn back and run. For you, Yahweh, surround and protect me. When evil ones come to destroy me, they will be the ones who turn back. My heart will not fear. Even if an army rises to attack, I will not be shaken, even if war is imminent. Here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh. <laughs> the one thing I seek above all else. I want to live with him every moment in his house beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to contemplate in his temple. Isn't that beautiful? That's really cool. Psalm 56. Lord, show me your kindness and mercy, for these men oppose and oppress me all day long. See? David's complaining. He's saying, he's expressing the honesty of the situation. 
Then he says, not a day goes by without somebody harassing me. So many in their pride trample me under their feet. But in the day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears before you and trust in you with all my heart. What harm could a man bring to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart as I trust his promises. I think this is where they get the song, When I Am Afraid I Will Trust in You, I Will Trust in You. I think Steve Green does a version of that. But look, there's, there's room for honesty. There's room to vent. David sure did, and he was very transparent about it. A long time ago, I, I had to memorize part of a psalm uh, as part of a, a camp I was at. It was at Circle Square Ranch, and one of the summers we had to memorize a portion of Scripture. And this is the one that I, I memorized way back. Um, not in this translation, but it, I've come across this many times, and I've had these verses, at least some of the words, come to my mind at the most bizarre times. And I'm thinking, oh, wow. I've already implanted it in my mind by reading it and memorizing it. So it's something I can recall. I can't recall some some scriptures I've never read or really given much attention to unless some weird miracle happens. God brings something to my mind. Ah, how did I possibly know that? That happens. But once, once something has been implanted intentionally, repetitiously, it can come back to you at a time when you need it most. I love this. Here we go. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God most high. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me. The only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. And he will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, <laughs> protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by night or by day, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster, with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. I'll give commentary on this in a moment. I know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> when we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. And then, could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels and special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keeping you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. 
For there, sorry, for here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray. And you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life, with all that I do for you. You will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. All right. Powerful stuff, but some of it just can't be real. Like, really? Really? You're going to totally protect me from uh, everything else that's going around me? Are you going to protect my house from a tornado when all the other stuff's getting destroyed? Are you Are you going to um, uh, protect me from a snowstorm like only the Christian houses get saved? Really? <laughs> David had a belief about God, and it was incomplete. You know that, right? He, he was more right. He had more positive light in his perceptions of who God was than most writers of the Old Testament. And he had a sense of peace and trust in God to say what he did. It's not easy to say those words. And it, some of them could be words of hope and faith. Who knows? Will God protect us from stuff? Yes. But I also think there's, it's not so much about the protection as it is about the presence of God with you. I don't see that God is going to protect us from absolutely every harm, physical harm, emotional harm, economic harm that comes our way. Otherwise, how do you explain what's going on in different parts of the world? But I do believe the presence of God is with each one, weeping when they weep, celebrating when they celebrate. There's a deeper connection we need to consider when we read verses like this. Uh, and don't fling those verses at people when they're going through a difficult time. Here, you're not believing right, and you quickly whip a Bible verse at them. Don't do that. That's the most unloving thing you can do. <laughs> Instead, maybe you be the presence of God with them when they can't perceive the presence of God in them. <laughs> Matthew 6.34 Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each, each challenge that comes your way. One day at a time, tomorrow will take care of itself, or one day's trouble is enough for one day. <laughs> this is a future tripping reminder. Not about thinking about tomorrow. I, I need to plan tomorrow. I have a schedule. I have a schedule for the rest of the week. <coughs> Even in the month, there's planning involved. That's not talking about that. It's about the worry. Will my needs be met? Will, will God abandon me? Those are the worries people have. Will I be okay? The answer is yes. I know there are people that are almost ready to die because of the sicknesses they're going through. And to say, are they going to be okay? Listen, what is on the other side? What we believe about the other side matters are they gonna enter a uh, a place of of the more clear presence of god i believe so so is that better than the sickness they're going through yeah probably we just can't know we we just we don't have that certainty and we don't need to have certainty we need to live by the faith that's been dished out to us john 1 1427 says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. 
not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. We need to hear this kind of news today. It may not be for everybody. And if, if this kind of conversation is annoying you, I'm sorry. I'm sure it's encouraging to somebody. Maybe you should pray for those people that are needing to hear this. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. I've found myself in places of fear, fear of worrying about the future. I remember a time when I thought, what kind of decision did I make for my family? And it was, I'd never been so scared in my life. My wife even said, I thought you believe in this grace stuff. Don't you trust? <laughs> oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> Not now, dear. <laughs> she was right. It forced me to take time to contemplate and rethink where was I focusing my attention and my thoughts. That fear was not coming from my identity. That was coming from the outside in. Do you remember at the very beginning of our message today? The, 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 the gospel of fear comes from the outside, not from the inside. 1 John 4.18 Love never brings fear. For fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Which means we still have much to learn. None of us have arrived. I have much to learn. I still have much to learn for... Um, uh, how God is working in my life, how to redirect my thoughts, how to have disciplines that, dang, I wish I had a better discipline in that department. You know, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to be my guide and my light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, will you be our shield and rampart? Can we hide under your, under your wings as in Psalm 91? I know we can, but I pray today that your peace, the one that passes all understanding, that's so much better than the human kind of self-mustered-up peace that we, we try to create through our uh, castles and systems of financial stability. Father, will you give your peace and reveal your peace to each one of us, especially to those who feel alone? to those who are afraid, to those who are absolutely frustrated with what's going on in our world today. May your peace speak to them. May we live from peace. May our first language be of peace, not complaint. Oh, change the narrative in us, Father. May, us be, may we be light bearers and light speakers instead of darkness spreaders. <laughs> Amen. Yikes. Time goes too fast. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to remind you to um, join us after the service for a 
um, a Zoom call. Uh, if you don't have the link, message me on Facebook and just join in whoever comes in. It might be two of us. It might be 10 of us. Um, I'm going to say hello to a few folks that chimed in here. Anissa, hey, good morning to you. Dan, good morning. Dan, where are you from? Can you just remind me where you're from? Thanks. Anissa, good morning. I forget which state you're in, but you're down in the... Uh, you're down the states for sure. Cecil from Texas is watching. Lionel, buddy. Yay, Lionel. Yay. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, don't forget to register for the conference coming up. Um, the link is below in the, uh, in the description, so make sure you take a peek. And Brighton, okay. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Um, and, yeah, and join us for the Zoom call. If you got the church email, the link was sent to you. If you want to join in as a, as a guest, message me on Facebook, and uh, we're going to go right into it right now. Thanks so much for watching, everyone. I hope you have a great week.